There was some of them. I couldn't name, what was it, like Aaron Gordon or like Eric Gordon, Tom Gordon, something Gordon, Gordon Hayworth, Hayworth Bay, Gordon <laughs> Michael Bay, Gordon Ramsay for sure. Uh, Michael yeah, Blewett. Um, yeah, yeah I dude, I, I literally, like, they were the like the most unrecognizable World Series team. I think you're right. Because I, I remember watching that and be like, mm, this is such a nonsense World Series. Yeah, I think it was like Royals versus Brewers or something like that. Oh. What, was, what were those numbers? Like five people watching? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> yep, they wanted to 2015. Yeah, Jesus. Well, who'd they beat? Uh, they beat... The New England Patriots. <laughs> I hate you so much. And welcome <laughs> to the Battlefront Podcast. How's it going, guys? Woo! Oh. I love everybody here. I love oh. everybody here. Hey, guys. So glad. Super glad. I'm really excited. We are the Battlefront Podcast in which we review movies, TV shows, generally uh, things that we think that's going to be interesting as well and try to get controversial a couple different things. And tonight... We're going to be talking about another installment of the Marvel superhero sort of studio films, sort of a lore universe, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Guardian of the Galaxy 2, directed by James Gunn, starring everybody from Guardian of the Galaxy 1. So there you go. Uh, but before we get into the actual review, I'm excited to talk about everybody who's with us tonight, as well as our two special guests. Well, kind of one and a half special guests, so we'll get to that in a second. Uh, but I'm going to start with my partner in crime, the man, the myth, the legend. Mr. Jesse, how's it going, Jesse? Yeah, it's going. Not too bad. Good to see you. Good to see you. I haven't seen you in a while, so good yeah, to see you. Yeah, it's fair. It's been a long time since we recorded. So I'm interested to see uh, what you've been watching and uh, what you're sipping on today. Uh, I'm sipping on one of my usual Torani mixed drinks. It's basically sugar, seltzer, and whipped cream. It's totally delicious. Uh, I'm drinking watermelon and vanilla. Uh, if I had to pick a movie I saw recently, I saw Kong Skull Island. Okay. It was meh. It was really forgettable. It was it was okay. I heard that movie kind of brought you into like that new universe though, because it's supposed to be going into something else. No spoilers. Though. No, no, no spoilers. One thing I really liked is it takes place during like the Vietnam era, and even though there's no like pop culture, so to speak, the music's really on point, and all the characters have that very kind of like it actually feels like it takes place in the seventies, even oh. though it's all in the jungle. Um, and I it had a lot of fun with that. In the jungle? Yeah, I mean, I would give the movie like a C+. Plus. It would, I probably will never watch it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you coming by. I'm very interested because I think we're going to have some conflicting ideas about our review tonight. So I'm pretty excited for you because I think you, uh, you really drive that conversation. Uh, to his left, I have one of my best friends, one of the biggest fans I know for the championship Super Bowl winners of the New, New England Patriots. No trolls there. No. Brylon, how's it going? Good. My uh, childhood team is the Niners, but I love the Patriots too. Tom, Tom, Brady, Tom Brady connection. Yes. Because he went to Michigan? Because he's that was his childhood. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah. He still sucks. I know. <laughs> I know. What, are you, what are you sipping on? And, uh, what you been watching? Uh, so what I'm sipping on is a beer that I got when I went on the Sam, Sam Adams Brewery Tour on my birthday this past week. Oh, well, happy belated birthday. birthday! Yeah, it was Jesse's birthday as well. It was my birthday too, I, so we share. I, I was going to build up something, but happy belated birthday for you too, as well as Robin Kane, I know that you're listening to this, of course. Uh, but happy birthday to you and uh, Brooke Boardman, of, of course you're listening to this. Uh, happy belated birthday to you as well. Yeah, and um, I had a really cool tour guide, her name was May. 
She went over like how to properly taste beer, what makes a Sam Adams a Sam Adams is really informative, also a lot of fun. Did a lot of tastings there. I was definitely tipsy after I left. Yeah. Nice. And in their, uh, in their, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, store, they uh, had uh, some brews that you can only get at the brewery. So I'm drinking 13th Hour, which is a Belgian stout that has notes of uh, coffee and chocolate in it. It is very flavorful, very filling. I really like it a lot. Nice. Now, what did you learn on that brewery tour? I learned that... Like how to taste, like, what in particular, what's one, like, a skill you can actually apply? Uh, like, to when tasting a proper beer. Mm-hmm. So, when you look at it, if you hold up your glass, fill it full of beer, uh, wipe the condensation off, and for Sam Adams Lager, just hold it in two fingers, and if you can see your fingers, then it is a good beer. If you can't see your fingers... Then there's something wrong. You should take it back to the bartender. Oof. There's probably like some stuff that's in the beer itself, or what's like on. Yeah, the it might be something that's in the tap that is like unclean tap or something. But that beer should look crystal clear when you look right through it. Hmm. Yeah. Doesn't work on metal it, cups. For the audience <laughs> at home, everybody's holding up their respective glasses <laughs> and now trying to look through lights. <laughs> and when you <laughs> taste it, that's <laughs> it for me. I mean, literally, everybody in the room. I was looking at. I was looking at my phone. It, that's a visual gag that yeah. doesn't necessarily yeah, work yeah, with the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys are stretching for the humor and, and it doesn't work over or not. No, your audience, I don't. And when you taste it, you want to take two t- two sips. One sip you keep in the front of the mouth, let it roll over the tongue, get all the flavors, and then take a quick sip that goes right back into the throat. And hmm. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're we're all adults. <laughs> That's an adult podcast or explicit. Well, I appreciate you. And uh, which one watching? Uh, I went and saw a new anime film that's getting a lot of buzz called Your Name. And after watching it, it's probably my favorite movie of the year so far. It is an amazing animated film. It's all hand drawn. And it's ridiculous when you watch it because the animation is some of the best I've ever seen. Yeah. And I really like it because it takes a very simple trope and twists it just enough to make it a very deep, compelling story about relationships and connection with people. Where did you watch it? I watched it at the Common. Nice. Yeah? Okay. I was wondering, because I haven't seen that out, and I was wondering where they play it. Yeah. I figure sometimes the Commons have like... They have huge theaters, so they have like some of those one-offs that you actually play, so it's pretty cool. Yeah, one thing I'd recommend, see it sub- in the subtitles. Uh, my first mistake is I saw it dubbed. The dub is not that good on it. But when I'm back, I saw it in the subtitles. And so you saw it twice? I saw it twice. Nice. Yeah. Okay, cool. It's cool. rare that subtitles are are less um, are less effective than dubbed when it comes to like English-speaking audiences, yeah. I find. I mean, the... Uh, I, Everything, and I am really hope that I actually get a chance to kind of catch this movie sometime next week or so, and so me, you, and uh, Jesse can probably talk about it, even you, Mocha, is that um, everything I watch that's animation or anything that has to do with like a different, like a foreign language is all subtitled, because I just can't do the dub. It's, there's just something wrong about it that just seems... I, as, like, I disagree. Do I don't mind a good dub. There, there are bad dubs and there are good dubs. And sometimes I feel like there's definitely more bad dubs than good dubs. Though. Correct. Like if yeah. I think of something dubbed off the top of my head, like Full Metal Alchemist, awesome anime with an awesome like English class, but so much else just falls short. Yeah. yeah. So I, I guess I, my experience is there's 
do, like w growing up, they were just all dubs. I was like, oh, okay, I guess this is how to watch anime. And then I got older and saw that, wait, this is subtitle? Wait, that's not Goku's voice? Oh my gosh. So that's like, blow me away. So cool. Well, I appreciate you uh, coming, uh, hanging out with us. So uh, yeah, thanks for coming. Yep. Uh, to his left, we have the Shredder, the man who needs no introduction. Josh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the audio engineer. Uh, my guitar broke on the last song this time instead of the second. That was awesome. That was, I, it was so well timed. I couldn't have done it any better. We have Mike here. How's it going, Mike? Dudes? Uh, not too bad. I am drinking uh, Jesse's juice as well. Drink it deep. This is uh, <laughs> oh. this thing. Make sure you keep it in the front of your mouth. That's, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm gonna let it roll over my tongue. Um, so yeah, uh, it's 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 salty at, at best. Sweet at worst. Um, so I guess the one thing that I saw recently was this movie. It follows. Oh yeah, you know. Geez. So one thing about this, I've come to the conclusion that I don't like jump scares that much uh, because I think they're cheap and they're easy, and I'd rather. I'd rather either be grossed out by my horror movies, or I'd be, um, you know, just like... Suspense? Suspense. Yeah. You know, like, go one or the other. Don't just, like, pop stuff up in my face, because, yeah, I'm going to jump, obviously. That's just human nature. I, th I think that's another reason why we actually talked about a review, Get Out, and there was one jump scare in Get Out in the yeah. entire movie, but the entire movie itself is super suspenseful. Like, you're... You don't know what's gonna happen. And yeah. It didn't scare me, but I at least was like, I, I'm kind of worried of like what's yeah. gonna happen to these characters. I'm moderately shocked or startled the whole time. Um, so, but I, I mean, I, that being said, I thought it was a good movie. I thought the, uh, I thought it was like, it wasn't really like a twist or anything to it. It's just, I don't. know, It's just an interesting concept of like you have to get away from this really slow moving thing, and like how do you do it? Because you can't really see it coming. Has it? Oh, oh. We did see this movie together. Yeah. I just real. Oh yeah. my gosh! I, I'm pretty oh, sure we did. A I, was, I was like, no, we did. No, 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 no. So, oh my gosh! All right, so I have not seen it, but I know it has something to do with STD. So, okay, yeah. okay. So well, I so just I realized say, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't yeah. want to go into much more. We're not going to spoil this. Yeah, yeah. At so one I point, just, it was an interesting concept. Yeah. Let's just leave it at that. Okay. Um. So my name is Warren, uh, and I am your host for this evening. Uh, what I am drinking right now. Well, I'm about to start drinking is a San Simeon by Santa Lucia Highlands. It's Pinot Noir from 2014. This is actually one of the parts of the wines I got from uh, Blue Apron. Hashtag Blue Apron. Um, hashtag Friends of Blends. Uh, so it's actually pretty good. I took a sip of it I, actually before I was actually tasting it. It smells very dark. It is very dark and heavy, so I'm excited to actually kind of crack into that to give you an entire taste profile, so check out our podcast and uh, our Twitter for that. And by podcast, I mean just Twitter. Um, as of the things I've been watching, I actually went through and uh, watched the entire second season of The Get Down. And so I know I have brought it up before. I think, Briley, you were one of the only people that had watched the first season. I was really interested in it, and I've never gotten around to it. No? Okay. Yeah. Um, but it's actually pretty funny because Dylan, who was on our podcast for Be Our Guest, had talked about, hey, you need to watch the second season. I was like, and he's like, can we actually have a, a recording of the get down? I was like, I would love to. So hopefully in the future or sometime we can actually kind of chat about it. Um, this is on Netflix. Uh, and this is like, uh, I guess, produced, and some of this stuff is directed by Boz Lerman. 
Uh, and this this show is crazy. And I guess one of the big things I really liked about the second season is that they really upped the stakes in a lot of different things. It felt like they almost got there with the introduction to music and the original MC and like mixing. And they talked about Brooklyn and all the different boroughs and the different sides and how drugs and communities itself and like uh, just all this stuff here. But I think they, what they really focused a lot on the second season was a lot of people looked at and viewed as this hip-hop and rap was not music for a long time and disco was the thing to go and people couldn't necessarily get past that. Um, but you you love the characters. You, you get more and more character development. It even goes to a lot of dark and a lot of deep places. Um, so it's actually phenomenal. So I really love the, I love the actual show. I love the music they put in the actual show, so definitely go check it out. Hello, my friend. How are you? Good. Good to see you again. Yeah, it's been a while. I know. I have Josh here. How's it going, Josh? Good. Good I miss your face. I truly do miss your face. I hate everybody else here. It's true, he does. Yeah, true. He says it every time. Yeah. No, here. No, no, here. Oh, okay. It's different. It's different. He's lying. <laughs> but I, I, you been, man? What you sipping on and what you been watching? Uh, pretty good. I went uh, straight forward with the Angry Orchard. Just some uh, cider tonight. Um, keep it light. Yeah, keeping it light. Yeah, count uh, count. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> it's still sugary, but okay. Um, so, uh, th what I was super excited about, and what I've been watching, and now we're only two episodes deep, but it's American Gods. Uh, I was very excited for this because I was a fan of the book, and so far I, th I feel like it's been pretty much almost scene for scene, the book. So that's pretty exciting, and a lot of the characters are pretty much exactly how I imagined them. So it was really interesting to see them on screen and do some of the weird shit that they did in that book. Um, I, I know, Brylon, you said you watched that first episode. Yeah. There's it's one like, particularly weird scene, and that is exactly how it was in the book. And I was absolutely. like, that is awesome that they're following this and they yeah. get away with that on Stars. Um, yeah, and but, this is like one of the first shows I've seen in a while. I'm, I literally out, out loud said, what the fuck, like three times <laughs> within the first five minutes. Because it has like one of the best openings of any TV show I've ever seen. Yeah, and there's a lot of really uh, interesting people that show up in it. Like I had no idea that Joel Murray was in the show, and then he just makes this weird cameo. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've I've been very into that, and I'm looking forward to seeing more of that season go on. Uh, also, as a shout out, just on Net uh, so you know, on Netflix, Kubo and the Two Strings is on there. Ooh, Ooh so um, good! I own the movie. I watched it again. Oh, it's, and so good. It's, it's just as good. But. Thanks for coming. I'm excited. I'm excited to see you. Uh, next up, I have everybody's favorite. We all love him. We love him, Dad. Thanks, guys. Have oh. 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 Yeah. Shit. Sorry. Yeah, he's... Whoops. That's okay. Oh, okay. Uh, we haven't seen him in a while, but uh, he's way, way far away at home, but it's always great to see him. Uh, Kyle, how's it going? Oh, it's true. It's damn true. The Ginger Ninja is back oh, on Down in Front Podcast. Uh, That's all uh, getting cut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take two. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I'm, I'm just going to turn off the video part of this because I'm not even like, looking at you guys. It's <laughs> nice that I just tune you guys out and only listen to the voices I want to, which I guess at this point might just be Jesse and Josh. So. All right. All right. You know what? No, 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 no. You know what? Brian, I'll show you some love too because you did uh, suggest the tagline. So honestly, you know, you brought this all together. I well, Brian does also have the most sultry voice of the Diamond Front crew. <laughs> Silky. Ooh, wow. Some say. Silky. <laughs> what are you watching? What are you drinking? Uh, right now I'm drinking a big old uh, gin and tonic. 
that I just made uh, with some ingredients. I bought from Trader Joe's because they sell a nice bottle of gin for eight dollars. What? And they sell seltzer for a dollar. Oh. So yeah. And I also found they now sell rum, so I bought some white rum and gonna have. Now I can buy and make mojitos for like less than fifteen bucks. This is a beautiful discovery right in time for summer. Oh my god! Did you find the um, that wine that I tagged you about? No, I was looking for that. I know what you're talking about—the little mini simpler times or simpler wines cans. Uh, I've seen them. Uh, my neighbor had them like a couple weeks ago, but I looked all over and I asked, and they are sold out right now. So I hope it's not like a limited edition thing yeah. that they already sold out of. Oh, well, I would hope. Something. Um, I would hope not. And just to give a bit of backstory, that uh, so I guess Trader Joe's came out with this uh, simpler wine, which is like wine in the can. It's a little bit smaller, but it actually costs a dollar, which is a little scary. I think, but also, you never know. But, uh, so thanks, and uh, what have you been watching? I've been catching up because I just fell off like five episodes in this season of, on the newest season of The Flash, season three. So now I'm getting to about halfway point. Uh, I'm really liking it. I After I finish this, I'll watch Arrow, but I, I don't have as much faith that I'll enjoy that one when I come to it because that one's been slowly hurting me. The longer I've been uh, in a relationship with it, by which I call watching the show. Yikes. All right. Well, I mean, I would say like uh, any relationship, just keep going and just get drunk and enjoy it more. That's advice I'm going to take to heart. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. And last, but certainly not least, everybody's favorite Michael. The Mocha Michael. Mocha yeah. Mike, how's it going, man? Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Hey guys. Uh, great to be back. Really grateful to be back here on uh, Down in Front, chatting with you guys about movies. As Down in Front of a podcast, uh, veteran Marvel scholar. Uh, really excited to talk about Guardians <laughs> and just like shit, shit in general. Well, you got a lot of titles, huh? You just, just self-proclaim all these titles? All right. Oh, I mean, I've heard it tossed around. People have been saying, so I figured just follow through with it. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I'm drinking a, a little Victory Sour Monkey. For those of you watching at home, which is just Down in Front, guys, that's the bottle. Um, it's tasty. I just got into sour beers, like, was introduced to them a few months back, so not that long ago. And this one's pretty tasty and has a nice 9.5% alcohol per volume. Ooh! So that's too. So is that, is that like the Golden Monkey, but it's a sour beer? Possibly. I actually haven't had Golden Monkey. Oh, yeah, Golden much. Monkey's like 9.52, but it's not a sour. That sounds like real good. I that must do. be the case. Yeah, it does not taste that strong at all. Um, has a really, really enjoyable sour taste. I'm, I'm loving it right now, so... Yeah, Golden um, Monkey's that's what I'm very good, on. too. And uh, yeah, as for what I'm watching, I'm in the midst of catching up on a lot of good TV that I've missed over the past few months. Um, and I'm still going at the bottom of my way up to what I'm most excited about. Eventually, I'll be watching Westworld because I'm super pumped about finally seeing that. What? But right now, I'm watching The Expanse, uh, that sci-fi show. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I've been enjoying that. Sci-fi makes some shit movies, but their TV shows are pretty on point. Um, and it's an exciting little bit of sci-fi out there, so... I know it's not Westworld. I should be watching Westworld if I'm into sci-fi, but I'm saving that for last. Yeah, yeah. I actually missed our second half of Westworld, and uh, everybody just felt like they shit on me uh, during that episode. So thank you guys. I, uh, I definitely appreciate it. Especially you, Mike. Mike, you definitely. I was like, man. I'm like driving in Florida, and I was like, wow, these guys really hate. Me. <laughs> I mean, you had to know that was coming. Yeah, I, I felt like, man, I'm gonna miss one episode, and guess what? Everybody was like, fuck this guy, right? <laughs> Whatever. But thanks for coming, guys, and I'm really excited about everybody because, A, I'm really excited about chatting about this movie. I'm really excited about getting to like, the nitty-gritty 
Um, so I would just probably, let's go into it. Like we were talking about Guardians of the Galaxy 2, um, the extension. So this is the number 15th, or am I very off? 16th movie? Uh, I think 15th, 15th, right? 15th, yeah. 15th? Okay. Um, so it's one of the teens movies of uh, Marvel's uh, universe as well, uh, directed by James Gunn. And typically it's, it's going to be a really interesting concept of what they're going to be doing of having a sequel to a movie that a lot of people were caught off guard. And I guess one of the biggest things that I was really interested in is going into it alone of, or going into it at first with Kyle was, you know, how are you going to top the first movie? Because at one point you caught me off guard and you surprised me about this movie. The music was phenomenal and a lot of different things we're going to get into talking about our wins. Um, but at least for me, one of the leading questions of walking into this movie was, what else you got, you know? So uh, at this point, we're actually going to be moving into like our spoiler section. I'll be going to our wins. We're going to go into our criticisms as well as we're going to talk about some Easter eggs we may have seen in the movie as well as the stingers. I don't remember how many there were, but it just felt like the entire... Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like the entire end sequence, nobody moved in the theater. And everybody was just watching us having a good time with that. So. Random people dancing in the credits. Oh, man, it was so great. It was so great. Uh, but uh, so if you haven't seen the movie for Guardian Galaxy 2, I would say stop the podcast for right now. Um, go watch it because, I mean, come on. Uh, and then kind of resume from here. And so what we're going to do is we're going to start and we're going to go over to Brylin as we're going to introduce our wins for the section. So, Brylin? Yeah, so this movie, it made, it's rare to see characters be able to maintain like the heart of what made that first movie successful. And they brought it over in spades here and just doubled up on how much heart, how much charm these characters have among one another. Um, but I think for a huge standout, Michael Rooker as Yondu, uh, his character had like the best story arc to me and had the best payoff of any of these characters. Um, and it was just great to see like after the first movie, he kind of got played at the end, but you're not sure where he was, but to see him down in the dumps and the Ravagers to start turning away from him, but how he's able to come back and redeem himself. Uh, and his whistle arrow weapon is one of the coolest weapons I've seen in a movie ever. Just having a whole action piece dedicated to that. That's so good. Blew my mind, yeah. for sure. It, it had a super 80s with like the, it looked like a neon, like, light. Looked like a, looked like a terrible light you put up in a dorm room advertising cores. <laughs> like, when it, like it was, it was, I, I also, to expand on that, I thought Yondu, Based on the ending to it, it made complete sense why they had to do it. Because if you put Yondu at all against Thanos' army coming up, if they decide to do, like, a, an army, you know, nameless ghoul, he's the most overpowered character. Like, there's only so many people Hulk can punch at once. Like, it'd be basically a race between him and Doctor Strange to kill as many people as quickly as possible. Yeah. And Doctor Strange doesn't even kill people. So, he's like, just right to try and be portaling away, and Yondu would just arrow him in the back of the head. <laughs> Dude was yeah. OP as hell. Yeah, it was yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, definitely too OP. Yeah, yeah. It made sense that I had to bad. kill him. Some serious nerd talking on there. Yeah. And I would also say another big win for me is Kurt Russell as Ego, the living planet. Um, and some of it's kind of like just based on the effects house they have in Marvel because um, the effects for Ego are visually stunning, uh, especially young Kurt Russell at the beginning. It's baffling what they do with this technology now. So, like, when I saw that, I wanted to see another um, 
I want to see another Jack Burton movie right now. Yeah. Just like have Big Low, Big Trouble in Little China 2. Something. Tomorrow. I love that movie. <laughs> and so they have done this, um, just talking about that de-aging factor. So we have seen this in Ant-Man. Mm-hmm. We have seen it in uh, Civil, War. Civil War. And now we've seen it here, just for the Marvel films, right? Yeah. And it creeps me out because when it opened up, I was like, oh! And even the, the 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 woman or the wife or the girlfriend, did they do that to her because she was the same character or was she the same, same actress? Character? Same actress, but she looked much. Obviously, she she was bald and in she the had Yeah, yeah. Get a brain tumor, but you know whatever. Uh, but I wonder if they did the same thing to her because they they looked very very good in that time. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, and it was really cool to see Marvel for a second time in a row have a villain that's not like the standard Marvel villain, which is just like the big bad is like, I got a big hammer or I'm just going to destroy the world with a beam of light or something. To have an omnipotent being that just has decided that uh, life is inconsequential, my existence is the only thing that matters because it's above everything else and it's not a matter of hatred, it's a matter of just being. Uh, I thought that was really cool about him. And also this movie took its time to put in these just wonderful little deep cuts for the Marvel Universe. And being a Marvel kid ever since I was born, uh, one of the most moving moments was seeing Stan Lee talk to the Watchers in Uatu. Uh, mm-hmm. The Watchers looked fantastic, and I want to see them going forward. Um, they're some of my favorite characters in the Marvel Universe. Uh, and even Sylvester Stallone's uh, character is an even deeper cut, which I even had to look up a little bit. Yeah, who his character ending. was. It's one of the few times I didn't know who anybody was. It was Stallone and his crew. I was like, I have to look this yeah, up now. That was for the fifty-year-olds in the audience to know, like, who his it character was. Ah! Well, they were fifty. You know, Miley Cyrus is one of the. That's actually what I'm looking up yeah. right now. Yeah. Just, like, like that crew is insane. It's like Ving Rhames, Sylvester Stallone, Miley Cyrus. And Michelle Yeoh, yeah. like that's like that. That has more star power, like than the rest of the cast. Yeah, yeah. that's actually that's yeah. <laughs> Just going back and reading, like how they're kind of a nod to the original Guardians of the Galaxy in the comics from the sixties. They were the original. Yeah, yeah. It was really cool to see that they even took that that little bit of time to have that deep of a cut in a movie yeah. as well. It's cool too because like Marvel, those characters weren't part of Marvel's main continuity. Like they're not from the six one six universe. So it's nice to see that Marvel's willing to, or at least James Gunn is willing to scoop up elements from all over the the canon in order to make a good film. Mm, nice. And um, yeah, I know Baby Groot's adorable as hell. I'll let everybody else talk about Baby Groot. Uh, <laughs> but I'm gonna give a shout out to Teen Groot. <laughs> for being just as cool as just like a slacker <laughs> team in his uh in his room playing video games and stuff and just messing with Star Lord when he tells him to clean up his room. <laughs> I like that part too. That uh, that uh, that was awesome. That was very also very unexpected because you didn't know what was gonna happen and then you're like oh he's girl oh hold up that's <laughs> I for sure uh, and going off of that point obviously I didn't watch the trailers. I had no idea that Baby Groot was in this movie. I thought it was just going to be regular Groot again. Um, oh, yeah. So, you hadn't seen yeah, the trailers. No. Holy shit. So, I'll get into my wins in a second, but going off of that, you know... No but, way you didn't see a... Like, there was... Even the posters and stuff. Posters so, tru- everywhere. There's no so, way you didn't truthfully, know Truthfully, I did not know that he was in the movie. 
I did not know that Nebula was in this movie. I, I did not know Kurt Russell was in this I didn't know anything. Kurt Russell was well hidden. <laughs> I Kurt am Russell's a professional, fine. sir. Okay? I don't want any spoilers. And he looked closer to like a little big planet. Um, anybody? Yeah. 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 So I was I, I was like, oh little big planet. Maybe little yeah, big planet. Absolutely. Five. Yeah, right? That's that's a little big planet. So anywho, uh Bradley, any last thoughts? Um I would say that's those are my big wins for it. I'll let everybody else add in as we go along. Cool. Mike? Yeah. Um, um, sure. So, so I have a couple things. Uh, visuals were upgraded. We talked about uh, the like the arrow with like I think they did a better job of like shading its path. Um, I thought that the planets were amazing. Like they did an actual job of showing different environments. I know one of the big criticisms from Thor two was that we got, you know, we had this talk about an interdimensional, like, not interdimensional, like a cross-universe, like, threat to everyone, and then we saw three places. Yeah, we Whereas, saw a bunch of trees and then a bunch of water. Right, right. <laughs> we, yeah, like, I don't even think we saw the ice world from the first one. Like, it was it was that contained. Uh, but I thought that we saw, like, a lot of different places and made it realize, and it was a lot of different people, and it made you realize how absolutely massive the Marvel Cinematic Universe can be. Um, to kind of jump on that, speaking of massive, um, I thought that the Thanos setup was amazing. Like, Thanos now, because you've seen a lot of the different peoples that exist now, is a threat to all of them. He's not just like this threat to the Avengers, you know, six guys that hang out in New York. They're like, it's a threat to millions and billions of people and thousands of different societies that we all got to see and got to spend a little bit of time with. Uh, another thing that really like uh, drove home the the whole Thanos connection was the interactions between Nebula and Gamora. Like they didn't even show the big purple man, you know, according to Thor, uh, with his little glove. Um, but they really developed his character as this mad titan. And and a lot of the big the, so the big thing that they draw from is the Infinity Gauntlet, which is a weirdly personal tale. Like it's it has a couple characters in it. It features everyone, but there's like a couple people and it really goes through the the inner torture that they all kind of have on each other. And they really like drove that home with that conversation on how like Nebula and Gamora were supposed to be sisters with each other, but ended up having to fight each other and Gamora just would never win. So she never had to suffer the way Thanos that Nebula wrath. never won. Yeah, Gamora would always win. So she Nebula yeah, win. sorry, Nebula would never win. Uh, so, she, you know, Gamora never had to suffer through any sort of, like, physical abuse. I, I thought that was, like, that was really cool. And again, like, when you see Thanos for the first time, you, you're going to know who that character is. And you're going to know that he's, like, not only kind of an evil, like, Hitler-type character, willing to kill millions and billions of people, but he's, like, your, that, your high school bully that you just, like, absolutely hated because that person might not have said anything to anyone else, but just made your life a living hell. Um, I thought that, uh, speaking of, like, the different characters, uh, I, really, I really love the conversation between uh, Drax and Mantis. Like, their oddball-type comedy between, like, neither of them really had any... Like, Drax had no ability to see social cues, and all Mantis could see and was, like, emotional cues uh, by, like, the whole, like, you know, touching each other. I thought that was a really cool, um, they were kind of foils to each other that, like, played off each other really well. Um, couple things, uh, the, <laughs> I thought that the plots were actually kind of cool, where, like, 
Like, I have this thing where, like, is you know, I had a whole bunch of, like, fuck-off moments. Where I literally, I yelled this in the in the theater, where, like, one of them was seeing the Watchers. I had no idea that was gonna happen. And then hearing uh, Stan Lee talk about how he was, like, a, a delivery truck driver. You know, it's just like, oh, come on! Um, there was that, and there was, like, the Adam Warlock reveal at the end. Like, I, I literally stood up and was just, was screaming in my seat. Um, that was cool. Uh, the... One of them was, like, every time the Sovereign came back and showed up out of nowhere, you're like, they, just as you were starting to, the Guardians was trying to get a, a handle on things, all of a sudden they, just like, the Sovereign would show up and blow everything up. With the greatest blaster sounds of all time. They were just playing with, like, the, the Galaga noises. <laughs> that was the greatest thing for me. Um, kind of, uh, I guess the, man, what was the... The last, oh, the last kind of like fuck off moment I had was when the, when they had Kraglin in the ship and you got a, a look down at angry Ego's face. Now, the fact that they took literally a planet and made him a villain is the most insane thing. If you told me, you know, before the MCU started, you're going to watch a movie and absolutely love it and there's going to be a planet with a face on it and it's going to be Kurt Russell. I'd say, <laughs> bullshit! <laughs> you know, like, there's, there's no yeah. way, no way. But, like, they really, they really played it off as, again, a personal uh, narrative between Kurt Russell and, and Peter and then at the end had that glimpse of, oh, yeah, he's a planet and he's angry and showed the classic like, you know, comic book splash page. I kind of wish I had seen more of the planet with the face. Yeah. I feel like I, I didn't see enough of it. They they showed a couple things. I don't know. I was fine with it. I also see, the, the, the problem with having a lot of the planet with the face is that, like, that works out for anyone who's reading comics and is a big comic fan, but that's probably a tough pill to swallow for any mainstream, like, right. movie-only right. viewer. Um, so I'm glad we at least got it at I, all. Yeah. That's that's the thing. They didn't they didn't overstay their welcome. They were like, here's the splash panel. Now back in and you get to see you know Pac Man and stuff. Oh, I thought, <laughs> oh, this, yeah. yeah. So there was there's a couple more that I'm I'm sure people will expand on. Um, but those are most of my big ones. Cool. Um, so I would say I probably have two big moments. I love this movie. Movie was awesome, and I watched this movie with Kyle, and. I I definitely have to go. A I really want to go watch this movie again. B I'm really excited about watching it in IMAX in 3D this time. But C I just remember at one point we were laughing so hard that we were, or at least I was at least like missing things that's happening on the screen. And I was like, shit! I, oh, I, yeah. I, I don't. Yeah, I was like, oh fuck, fuck! I'm just like laughing of how ridiculous and how amazing this this was and I guess the two things that really caught me off guard was um, the opening sequence because uh, A I didn't know Baby Group was going to be that cute B the fact that all of them now loves the fact that oh we like listen to Peter's music so let's listen to his music while we like kick some ass that's awesome because when anytime that you're ready to like really kick some ass you're going to put on some music and the soundtrack which I have not listened to until watch this movie was phenomenal um, so I thought that was very fun and very cute and he's dancing around, having a good time. Oh, that entire sequence was just like absolutely, absolutely phenomenal. Uh, yeah. just like hilarious. So I'm just like dying laughing as everybody else is getting fucked up around him. And he's like, there's not a care in the world. And, uh, oh man, what's the name of the song? Anybody got it up right now? It was, uh, Blue Sky? Oh, it was a Beatles song. Be Beatles, uh, 
not Blue Sky. No, it wasn't a Beatles song. No, it was Electric Light Orchestra. Yep. Yeah. We're oh, talking the opening scene. Oh, opening right? scene, yeah. yeah. Electric Light Orchestra. Uh, yeah. It, so, was, it yeah. wasn't the Beatles. Beatles. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so uh, that's probably going to be my ringtone from uh, the next maybe year or so. Um, so that was a, uh, one of my great scenes, one of my favorite scenes. And then the other one was when it was actually all the way at the end of Rocket and Peter are arguing about tape, which I don't know about anybody else, but I could not stop laughing over the fact that this is an argument that people normally have all the time, all the way to the point where... Well, you're supposed to be having the tape. Why are you asking everybody else for tape? You have it. You have all the gadgets. Ah, oh, and I just, I just loved it. I just love the character development. I love how they like, pres- like progressed everything to the next level to know more about Gamora and why she's like reserved and why she's kind of sort of hesitant sometimes. Um, you have a character who can feel emotion, and that went both ways. Very, very funny, and she's talking, and everybody can laugh at Peter, but at the same time, she can also share a moment of, well, you had a lot of Drax's character developments in the first movie in the second movie he's he's still feeling that and as funny as it is that he has his comedic piece of oh you're disgusting you're ugly that's that's hilarious i i will love more of that i'm really glad they gave us more of that um but even with nebula of when she's describing the fact that thanos plucked her brain out and changed all these components to make her more powerful more robotic and she was still losing that's that's a fucked up thing to like live for revenge she's still living for revenge at one point, she got. She, they finally got to terms with Gamora, so now she still wants to go on and um, fight Thanos. It's very sad that people are gonna live for it, but um, I felt like she was a great addition. But um, going off of much like Bradley was talking about Yandu, man, I love every time they. First of all, I love him as a character. Walking Dead, he was awesome. <laughs> Crazy, but fucking awesome. I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. <That's> amazing. <laughs> Oh, there's a meme. I've actually had this meme on my phone for a while. I couldn't post it because everybody hadn't seen the movie yet. So I'll post it again, but it's obviously from Reddit. He's coming down with the Mary Poppins stuff. Oh, that is awesome. Um, but uh, yeah, like he just had a, a great moment, and I had a great realization moment of why he took him in the first place, and it started to make a lot of sense. Just like everybody, this is very obvious, but I really do like the fact that they he shared a lot with Rocket and although it was a little bit cheesy and maybe too over the top, I'm really glad they're even putting things in to say that you're just like me. And it's a it's a stereotypical, like very, very obvious of Rocket and Yandu are the same person and they don't want to keep people close to they, the, the people they care about. They don't want to keep close to. Um, and they've been like discarded and abandoned. Rocket was engineered to, basically to be abandoned and. Uh, Yandu was uh, sold into slavery, basically given away into slavery. So you get more of that story. I'm just glad it, it, they actually talked about it, almost like a small PSA moment of, hey, it's okay to be different because there's always going to be somebody else out there like you. Yeah, um, and it was good, like, so. I mean, especially with the character of Yandu, just to have the ability to bring a lot of uh, just emotional, like, heartstrings to the movie, mm-hmm. even though a lot of the stuff is, like, super fun, super awesome. Um, when he tells Peter, like, he might be your father, but he ain't your daddy. Yeah. That choked me up. The fireworks at the end. Yeah. I, mean, I was definitely rolling a tear. Yeah. I mean, the fact that he got kicked out of the Ravagers was because he saved Peter from his father. That's, I mean. Well, it, he, was, he like, was the perfect character well, to do it because you've got him set up as, like, honestly, if you had to ask me who, the, who was going to be the big bad out of Guardians 2 right after seeing Guardians 1, I'd be like, yeah, it's Yondu. Mm-hmm. It's all gonna be them too, you know, and it's and and they 
they took this like this guy and made him human. It was great. It was like a really cool twist on it. Mikey, Moko, you have something? Oh no no, I was, uh, no I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, but yeah, uh, overall, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. Please go see it. Um, see it with friends. I feel like you can enjoy a chuckle together. Uh, I, I would. I think at one point I looked over Kyle, and it was. <laughs> It was when Rocket had put into Yandu's ship of he's gonna go to Eagle's planet. He was like, wait, no, 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 we can't, we can't jump that much. And they're like going through all this shit. Um, and I thought that was uh, hilarious. But at one point, and I don't know if this is an Easter egg, we probably gonna get into this a little bit later. But one of the first jumps, it was like two people on the planet that was fighting, and it looked like they yeah. had like headgear on, and I was like. Is that Planet Hulk or something? Like, is no. that like that looks like the place that the uh, they that Thor lost his arm in Dark World? Yeah, that's what I thought too. Yeah. Oh, also it? speaking of Thor, did everyone catch the the end credits? Uh, Easter egg? No, I saw it. And Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Jensen Goldblum was in the credits. Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. Oh right, yeah, yeah. He's in the credits. Yeah. yeah. Dancers. He was one of the guys Bro. dancing. They didn't do. Uh, they didn't do the collector. The the, the Grandmaster. I don't know who Jeff Goldblum is, so there you go. Oh, all right. Yeah. Professor yeah. Uh, no, Oh, yeah, I know, I know that. Yeah. Um, Haha, you just got spoiled. <laughs> I still don't know who it is. <laughs> I still don't know what that means. Um, but that's rude. That's very rude. How do you not know who Jeff Goldblum is? I know who Dude. Jeff Goldblum is. He played in Independence Day 2. <laughs> of course, it's the best movie ever. Uh, I mean, I mean, that's all. Oh, that movie's sweet. Or Jurassic Bundle. Park. Bundle. The first Jurassic Park, yes. The second one, too, technically. Yeah, but... Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not as good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're not talking about Jurassic Park here, although the movie's great. I mean, it holds out. So. Hey, you, we are talking about Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes, your wins. Um, as most of you know, Guardians is one of, if not maybe my favorite uh, movie in the MCU. I love the first movie. I think that it's super fun. And this movie continued that tradition. It had great, a great soundtrack. I mean, I can pretty much just build off of every everything that everybody else said. But I really want to talk, like, for my part, it was... Most of the characters had really good story arcs. Like Yondu's story arc where he's struggling with his crew to the point where he finally, like, earns his redemption is excellent. Um, even, uh, nobody's mentioned Peter's story arc where he has his great moment where he's like struggling with this idea of, well, you're my father, and he's almost at that point, and he has his heroic moment where he pushes back this desire to be with his father and instead actually save the universe and become a hero. And it was like, it was one of those moments that was really solid for me. Um, I also, I mean, the I'm, I'm not going to lie, I couldn't look at either of... Jesse or Guillermo during that last like five minutes of the movie, I was just like, there were there were tears. I was I was crying, uh, and I was like, I can't I can't look over here, um, because he actually just like, Michael Rucker, is his name? Yeah. Rucker. Yeah. Um, he really sold the character for me, and he yeah. he did an excellent job. Oh, I mean, I love that scene because it also was I guess not a reverse foreshadowing, or I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce that, but. Peter Quill did the same thing to Gamora and you know, Guardians 1, uh, but they saved them and it was fine. But then you see that 
there's no way to save him this time, and he kind of gives his life for him. Well, that that whole scene is emotional because then you see also when they're leaving the planet and they know they realize that Peter's not on board, they're all like screaming to go back. Yeah. And it's like one of those moments where you realize the whole crew has come together and they they're now a cohesive team. Yeah. And you can see like with Rocket. Uh, when he uh, shoots at, when he knocks out Gamora, he said, "I'm only losing one friend because he knows he gave uh, Yondu the one mask and the one jetpack." Like Rocket knows what's going to happen, and so he stops Gamora from making any mistakes. But he also knows what's happening. But the first character who he's besides Groot that he's really connected to is about to do what he's about to do. <laughs> so there's such a build to it. Joe, yeah. And I mean, overall, the the pace of the movie is great. I feel like there was no really slow moments. Um, all of it just flowed really well from scene to scene, and there were it was just a ton of fun. Even like going back to that scene in the forest where Rocket's blowing up the, all the Ravagers, and they're just like flying up above the trees, and it's like that moment's hilarious. Kyle, what you got for your wins? Yeah, I'll run with that. Uh, they managed to just dip into everything that Guardians 1 had and just give you more of it. Uh, when there was action, there was even more action. I mean, we saw an entire planet blow up while there's another force, like a, another army trying to fight them. Like, literally, the guys are fighting an army and a planet at the same time. But you, you just had that much more action. You had more depth to every character, like emotion. Uh, there was already enough to, like, bring you in. Everyone felt like a disjointed, left-behind, abandoned character in the first one. And here you see a lot of redemption and a lot of, like, coming together. They kind of accepted that they were a team, and this time they become more of a family, even with them searching for different features of a family. I mean, you have Gamora and Nebula being, you know, that sisterly angle. You have uh, Peter Quill's, both with Ego and with Yondu, like, fatherly thing. Um, Drax and how he fits in all this. Um... But then you also have the comedy elements where there's even more of that when they're jumping planets. That literally, like, when I look back on it, when they were like messing with their heads and everything, I was like, that. Normally, I would write that off as a scene for you know the the little kids, the uh, elementary schoolers and stuff like that. But it had me and Warren both like in stitches. It was it was absolutely perfect. And then of course, Groot being Groot still had his shiny comedic moments between trying to find uh, Yandu's headpiece. Oh, and finding literally everything else, including a toe. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on! <laughs> like, bring that up, and then that's how Rakuten and Yandu just kind of respond as, you have a jar of toes, and then they're just like, let's move past it. <laughs> we don't know how you got it. Um, also, we didn't understand the button. Uh, obviously, the beautiful part with the, the beginning, with the music that we already mentioned with Baby Groot, and also how it did the callback to the very end of uh, Guardians 1 when uh, Drax falls down right in front of him and he just pauses and doesn't dance <laughs> when Drax is present. is It's just perfect. I mean, they took a lot of what they had and expanded on each one. Like, you got more of it and, you know, pretty rapid fire too, but also taking some beats and just exploring, like, let's go into just emotional debt. Let's go into, like, this action part. Let's just have a five-minute comedy space bit. You know, so you got you got a lot of everything, and also you had a nice Howard the Duck cameo just <laughs> sprinkled in so quick because why not? <laughs> I, I also forgot to mention how much I loved Mantis. 
I had no idea she was going to show up, and then she was oh just hilarious. Absolutely an amazing addition to the uh, to the ensemble there. Absolutely, just as a character that is so emotionally invested that social cues don't pick up, versus like Drax being literal that they're yeah they were such a good foil to one another, and even got to let Drax be emotional through her, which is a wonderful way to like allow that to be a thing without making Drax any softer of a character yeah. or be any less of the badass slash comedic relief that he's clearly established himself as. Fair. So, uh, thanks, Kyle. Jesse? Um, I've liked everything that everybody said, so I, I agree with all the character angles, the character thoughts, freaking Yondu. I'm going to hit an angle that, like, this movie was gorgeous. And when you, we had mentioned the, like, top-down when, like, the arrow's going through Yondu's place and, like, the lights go dark and you see that red line just kind of zipping through. The one thing this movie did really well, too, were these slow-motion shots mm -hmm. where, like, the whole world kind of slows down a little bit. It's like, just take a minute to enjoy this shot for a moment, which has become kind of a Marvel trope to a point where it's like you know the spinning crane camera of the characters in slow motion mm -hmm. and then they even kind of make fun at it with like kind of during the climax scene where Mantis gets hit by the boulder and like there were just so many parts that was so pretty and just good to look at it made me wish that I was like at home that I could actually pause it for a second and I, I, I actually can't wait until it's on like Netflix or DVD, because I will actually pause and look at some of the composition for some of the scenes that they did, or somebody online will leak them. Yeah. I mean, it's probably in the next, what, maybe three, four months? <coughs> yeah. Yeah, somebody, somebody will put all those out. Um, I thought some some of the CGI was on, on par, particularly looking at Rocket a lot, especially since there are those scenes where Rocket's just, like, standing there. And you get these long takes where I was like, I'm really looking at him, like looking at his clothing and the fur layout. I'm just like, wow, tech has come a long way. Yeah. That stuff looks good. Um, but I also have some criticisms on the CGI, which I'm saving for later. But for in particular, Rocket and some of the space stuff was just phenomenal. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Thanks so much. And last but not least, to uh, cap off our win section, we got Mocha Mike. Yeah, so, I mean, a lot of wins with this movie. I liked it a lot. I really enjoyed my time watching this movie. Um, I think one of the biggest things about it is that this film has, in my opinion, more heart than any other Marvel MCU movie that's come out to date. Um, you know, Kyle touched based on it a little bit, the relationships between each individual and what their hangups were, but it was really cool to see the evolution from Guardians of the Galaxy 1, where you have a movie that's about these you know, individual loners who have no ties or connections to anybody coming together and forming a family. And then with Guardians of the Galaxy 2, you have to you get to see how you maintain a family while also dealing with your personal hang-ups and the, the, you know, the wounds that you have in the past. And that's what, like, every character's arc in this movie was about their past wounds that came from their fucked-up family or their lack of family as a result. Um, and the fact that we got that with all the characters from you know, Nebula and Gamora's relationship with their adoptive father Thanos to Peter and Ego, as Kyle said, it was it, it was pulling the heartstrings in every single direction. It was kind of hard to avoid. Um, so I enjoyed that. I also thought that they did a really good job with the pacing. Um, considering that you're already in an ensemble movie where it's only the second time you get to see each of these original characters, but then also adding in 
characters like Mantis and fleshing her out, um, you know, getting really high level with it and introducing characters like Ego, the living planet, you know, or the concept of Celestials and what that means. There was a whole lot packed into this movie and they could have easily spun out of control, um, but, th- but they didn't. James Gunn maintained a really like, tight-packed movie, um, so I like that. Um, and I also like it because, you know, it really does a good job of making the first movie better in retrospect. Um, I was surprised. I thought that this movie was just going to be the next adventure that they go on, um, which it was, essentially, but there was so much that tied back to the original movie, and, you know, watching the first Guardians of the Galaxy, both before and after my first time seeing this film, um, like, really showed just how much, how well melded together they were. Um, and so I think that they both movies complement each other, uh, which I think is kind of rare to do in a in any series, um, let alone one where you're dealing with so many characters. I watched the but, uh, uh, the first one again. Uh, I, I actually watched it after the uh, I saw the second one. And you're right. There's so many moments of like talking about the dad, talking about like that. You, you there are little throwaway lines just to kind of build on who the mythos of the dad was that all kind of came true. Like that's one huge benefit of like. We were talking about this in Logan, where it was a different director who did. Who you, you, Mike, you spotted out too that like they actually did the death scene that they talked about and how cool that was. But that doesn't really happen that often when you give the same fran- or the same uh, intellectual property to a different you know producer and director. Where because it was all under James Gunn, he was able to go back in, dig through those little little lines that he maybe was thinking about when he wrote the first one, and then really expand on them later on. Yeah, exactly. They fit together really well. Um, and to Jesse's point about the visuals, yeah, the visuals were absolutely stunning. Um, that intro scene where Baby Groot is dancing in the foreground, yeah, that's super cute. But watching the fight happen in the background was like, it filled my little like nerd heart with joy. It looked like a Final Fantasy boss fight. Yeah. It's like animated. This creature yes. turns itself, turns its way through space time and just falls on the platform. And they're like, all right, let's fight. And then they just go back and forth for like a solid like, minute and 30 seconds or however long it was. Um, that was really, really a really satisfying way to start the movie. Um, but also, in addition to you know the sets and the the costumes being really beautiful and bright and well put together, this movie was deceptively grim and surprisingly dark. There was so much death and carnage within the movie, and just really like visual death. You know, they didn't cut away from any characters dying. If someone got shot through the heart by Yandu's Yaka arrow. Um, they showed the entire thing, and they showed it in slow motion. You know, when characters died in space, you know they they kill off Yandu's loyal loyal soldiers by throwing them into space, and you get to watch their faces yeah. freeze over and blow it up. And it was really really gruesome. Yeah, um, but obviously, brutal. they had it in a in, within a happy tone movie, but I think this was a really intentional move on um, the part of Kevin Feige and the rest of the creative team managing the entire MCU because we're getting so close to Infinity War. And, you know, for anybody who's familiar with the source material for Infinity War, you know, the Infinity Gauntlet, some fucked up shit happens. You know, people die in really gruesome ways. Some really absurd, like, cosmic events happen. And a lot of this movie seemed to be getting audiences accustomed to how crazy shit's going to be when Avengers 3 and 4 hits. Um, So, yeah, yeah, I thought that there was a lot. I thought it was a great movie, both looking back at what's come before and looking forward at what's to come. Nice. Cool. Well, here's one of our favorite parts of our section, in which case we're going to actually move into a bit of the criticisms. 
And this is the part that we're actually going to be talking about things that didn't work, things that we we're kind of confused about, or things that were just outright terrible. Uh, so I'm interested to start with Jesse. With me? Yes. <laughs> I start with the criticism. God yeah. damn. Oh, I can start. No, I got it. I got it. So I complimented Rocket's CG, but I do feel like the green screen stuff was super obvious when it was obvious. Like, you could really... Especially during the final fight scene where, like, uh, I, I'd say um, Star-Lord gets hit against the wall, and I'm like, wow, that looks fake as hell. And, like, some of it... Even, like, there's a, a part where... Ego is reforming himself, and he's coming back to life, and he's walking towards the camera. I was like, wow, this CG looks like something I would see out of, like, the sci-fi channel. There's, there, uh, they, so I'm, I got caught up with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and they, in the latest, uh, episode, they have a scene where a Spoiler. character kind of does something similar, and it, it, it was, like, the exact same CG level, which is not great for, like, a Tuesday night serial, you know, like, versus a major motion picture. I definitely saw it. I, I would even argue against that a little bit or push that on. I'm pretty sure they looked better in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. than it did in... Like that, and I was like, wow, you guys are holding a take on a really bad CGI shot, and you're yeah. really holding it, and you're bragging about it. Like, this is weird. It all went Where to was young like putting him back, so back together with the skeleton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It kind of... I, I don't watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but I was thinking of uh, that scene in Watchmen, where it was almost like that level of CG, and Watchmen came out years ago. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, I also thought, well, Gamora's makeup was phenomenal. Like, there were some close shots on her. There were certain times where it was close-ups on Nebula, and I was like, this makeup's crappy as hell. Like, I can see the, pow the grains of powder from her makeup, and like... I can see that, like, her seat, her, like, robotic implants look like silly putty, like, taped to her face. I was like, wow, and you're doing this on a close-up shot, and this looks like garbage. <laughs> I don't know, maybe I'm the only one who thought, like, it just really stood out to me. I liked it. Um, I'll also say, everybody's rooting for her, but I didn't like the character of Mantis. I, I thought she wasn't going to make it to the credits, and I thought her entire purpose, her entire purpose was to make Drax look better. Yeah. I think she was. It's all. It's the only reason she was there. She was overly silly. I mean, she was definitely fun and sweethearted, but does she really fit into this group? No. Well, the thing. Uh, I guess the the one thing that I would say uh, slightly against that is they they did at least in this movie try to bring about and we see it much with Yandu in Rocket and we see it with Gamora and her sister and then we also see it with Gamora and Peter sometimes and we see it with Peter. Yandu, basically what I'm talking about is that there's always somebody for somebody else and you see those relationships building and just going off of the reason why I think that she was in this movie of she was there like you just said for Drax but she also built and she was there for like other people just so that you can get you, she can say the things that people are too afraid to say or and she wasn't I, I, I would say I thought that they did a, another great job of uh of doing the whole romance thing in in movies like for me the pinnacle of what I want out of an action movie romance is Cap 2 like where Natalie Portman uh, not Natalie Portman uh, <laughs> Natasha Romanoff at the end you know those words um, they like they didn't they didn't have any sort of romantic involvement whatsoever and literally like you could say that Bucky and Steve had more of a romance 
You know, like it had, a, they had, you know, if you strip it of it away, it's, it's, it's a romantic comedy is like their thing, except it's an action movie. Mm-hmm. And I felt that they did a good job of just like, like not quite, you know, they kind of flirted with Peter and uh, Gamora. Um, Drax and Mantis easily could have been shoehorned together, but they didn't, you know, and like they made each other kind of respectful of their pasts. Um, but they still kind of brought each other's past to light. Like I, I thought they did a good job not shoehorning in some crappy romance that I'm probably forgetting. I'm about to get called out on, but yeah, I mean, I mean that was a great thing. Was a relationship, but the Mantis character herself loved it. It'll be interesting to see how they're gonna make her fit going forward. Well, it's just like at least for me, and then kind of going off of this, I'm gonna get back to Jesse in a second. But I felt the same way with Drax's character because. In the first movie, I said, I, I can't quite see this working because you have two characters that are super outspoken with Peter Quill and Rocket. You have another character that's like super sassy, you're talking about Gamora there, but she still kind of understands a lot of different things. Groot, you can't really quantify exactly what he is, but he's, you know, he is like the overall sort of being. But it felt for me that Drax wasn't did not fit at all in the entire like in the team he didn't fit that's the point of the guardians like i know but i guess my thing is i i thought much like you thought about you know mantis i thought about drax in the first movie this movie i'm like oh drax has easily fit he's making jokes he's calling people out he's like okay clearly he is Hung out with Peter Quill way too much to know that now he You are a dancer. She is not. Yeah, so things like that, I was like, oh, okay, perfect. I'm good. And now you introduce a character that's now a little bit different, but we're not entirely sure. And now you get in the same sort of uh, feeling of, well, you know, how would she fit? I'm not entirely sure. It it could. They can easily do it because I, I, at least for me, I saw it from Drax 1 and Drax 2. So I'm interested well, to see what happens. And again, that's the point where, like, they're not supposed to fit. You know, you could make an argument about the Avengers coming together, but it's like, mm-mm. They had one unified goal, and they're all they're all from Earth. You know, it's like they all had a lot well, of... Well, the Avengers are more like work buddies. And right. And the uh, Guardians are more like a family. Right. But they, the thing is that with that, you get, the, you get the... Yeah, we have to come together to do this X goal, whereas, like... The Guardians, they shouldn't work together. You should feel like these two characters, like, should not be able to coexist together. And that's, that's, I mean, I, I, I don't think she's that bad. She's not, like, offensive and she's not, like, you know, nearly evil. Like someone like Drax said, the, the first introduction of Drax was trying to kill Gamora. Yeah. Whereas Mantis was not nearly as offensive, you know. Um, but, but I, I should be fine. And I like that, that weirdness. Uh, let me, uh, toss it over to Kyle. What I really felt was uh, I enjoyed the story. I had a lot of fun. There was a lot of action elements. But when I thought about it, it definitely felt more like, which I guess is fitting. This this is something I put it as a movie, but it is based on a comic book. But it felt episodic. It felt like a really long episode of the Guardians of the Galaxy TV series to see where our heroes are this week. Mm. That it kind of felt like overall with a big movie just because when you break it down, not too, too much happened. There was about three total events and it didn't draw too much else in the world other than some mentions of like Thanos and stuff like that, but it didn't tap into the world any further. It doesn't really advance in this character other than having Peter Quill and Yondu having completed some of their story arcs. But you could start where they were and kind of just infer some of these things. So I noticed that. I still had a good time because, again, 
it's a comic book movie, so if I treat it like a comic book episode, but I just noticed that about the stories, that it didn't treat itself like a big, epic movie that had a lot to do. It was just like, this week's episode, this is what we're covering. Hmm. I'll, I'll go, I'll, I'll go next with my, uh, are you all set on criticisms? Did you want to have a that, that, was, that was my biggest one, and it was just kind of like, I mean, it's an interesting way of pacing. I don't know if I'm going to call it like a huge weakness, but I was like, wow, yeah, they just kind of laid it light. They had a couple things they wanted to do, and then let the rest be filled in by like action and comedy. No, I'll say so, yeah. that because, I mean, it does feel like it's more of just a collection of scenes rather than a whole movie. Yeah. Well, that's why I like the intertwining plot lines where, like, oh, all of a sudden this, like, you brought back, you know, someone from the last episode. Oh, here comes the Sovereign again. I will absolutely uh, admit it felt episodic and and could see how that wouldn't work for some people. I I honestly didn't think the plot was that. I, I'll go the other way on you. I thought they, they had too many, almost too many arcs. I felt like I was so emotionally invested in all of these characters that it, it almost became hard to figure out who I cared for the most. Like, you learned so, so much about each individual person that, like, you know, kind of thinking back, like, oh, yeah, Rocket and Yondu are kind of similar. And then Yondu was, was Peter's dad, and, oh, my God, Peter met his dad, and, and, you know, his dad turned out to be, and it turned Mantis into this child, you know. And, like, I, every single person I felt for and, like, could see where they started and where they ended and how they changed, and... I felt that it was a little bit hard to do and to fully, like, it invites rewatch, but it's kind of hard the first time you see it, especially if you have to review it two days later. Um, the other thing is that I, I almost didn't feel like there was a main character, which, you know, can sometimes hurt a movie. Yeah, like, the, especially with this, like, Guardians 1 was definitely the Peter Quill stories. You know, it starts off with his mom dying of cancer in bed, and it ends with his mom dying of cancer in bed. Um, and you, exactly, exactly. Which I liked. I know some people said they didn't like it, but whatever. Um, and so I thought that, you know, you, you have these things where, to, to back up Kyle's point, actually I agree with you on this part, where you have the A plot and the B plot, much like a sitcom, where you have your main character or main group doing one thing, and then you have this other secondary character with Rocket and, you know, all that fun stuff. And like, kind of watch how they come together at the end. Where well, it was a little bit hard to track. Where like, hey, where's my overall emotional investment supposed to be going in? It, it, where is it? Um, I, well, yeah, that's that's the danger with you know a movie like this, an ensemble movie where no one gets their own individual story, right? You have to tell their stories, otherwise it doesn't matter that it's an ensemble. Yeah. Um, but you only have two hours once every four years to do it, um, and that's like I, I I think that's a positive thing overall. That even that you were so invested in all of them that you weren't able to decide where to give the most of your love. That means that they told an effective story yeah. for these other secondary characters. Yeah, I mean, I gotta go off of what Mocha had talked about here. Like, I'm, I'm glad that they at least, like James Gunn and the storytellers of this movie knows that we don't need one main character anymore. Because we, that's, I, I feel, just as like effective storytelling of, we can handle, and I mean, we as in like the collective audience, I feel audiences can handle multiple storylines, and they can be very impactful multiple storylines. Do you get a beginning, middle, end, you get the entire arc of the storytelling? You do get it. You may yeah. not get it as much as you want, but you still do get it. Nice. I like the fact that you, you're you spreading, like much you were talking about, Mocha, you're spreading your love around for these characters 
but it's all different and it's vastly different. So it's a wide range of emotions that you're gonna be feeling watching. The movie. I would beg to differ because, like, you compare it to something like Civil War, which has an equally as big and an equally as famous cast. At the end of the day, Civil War was the Tony and Steve story. And, like, it had these great other sub-arcs that were there, but they were completely subservient to that main tale. Like, you could, you could make a Rocket Yondu movie. You could make a Peter Ego movie. And, like, you know, maybe they won't be a full two hours long, but there's enough emotional impact there. I don't think for something like, what, like in Civil War, what we were shown, you could make a full Black Panther, like, out of just that storyline. You know, just showing him showing up in Germany, flying a plane and seeing him in Siberia. You know, but like the the moments that they had in the other ones, I think you could, and and it did a little bit muddle the impact of the story. I, I There's two different goals there, though. Like you know, with Civil War, that that is a Tony and Steve story. That's it. Anything else that was there was there to pad out, like make the make the main story uh, more impactful by adding in elements like you know Black Panther and. You know, the issues going on with the Scarlet Witch and Vision or whatever. But, you know, it was still just a Tony and Steve story, whereas Guardians was exactly that. It was their story, like their their whole story. Um, I see what you're saying. I absolutely do. But I think that in this situation, uh, like, you know, we all shit on Iron Fist. Uh, I wasn't here for the Iron Fist conversation, but I think that was Iron Fist's biggest issue was that you had a lot of actually interesting characters, but gave no time whatsoever to make any of them worth caring about. And because the only story that comes in Iron Fist you need to care about is Danny Rand's, everybody else is like, well, why are they even there? Um, and so, but that's not the case. You can't watch Guardians of the Galaxy and think, well, why is Rocket there? Or, well, why is, well, maybe why is Drax there? I don't know. But, um, <laughs> no, I love but yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love Drax. I see where you're coming from. Uh, I think also, it's a good I mean, thing for this yeah, specific Yeah, I think they could have spread out the emotional arcs between, because they've already confirmed a third one. They could have, you could have <laughs> had... You could have yeah, done. Yeah, there you did. Yeah, you could have had um, like different. You, if you knew going into it, you were probably gonna get another sequel. You could have cut some things. Like this is the they Save al- some stuff. they almost had like they they had to throw in Gamora and Nebula because Thanos is coming. They had to do that because that needed to be ready for a year from now. And then like I guess you had to do some things because Yondu. They were going to kill him. You know, so you had to squeeze some, some more. You had to do the Rocket Yondu parallel because of that. And then Ego, because Ego is the villain, so you had to do the Peter. E- 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 you kind of forced, you wrote yourself into a corner on this one. And I'm saying that, like, it could have been a little bit more natural and spread out because they knew they had a third movie. But That's I, all. I mean, when did they announce the third? I'm sorry. It's like, like two weeks ago. Yeah. Got the the other thing, the other I, thing I would say, uh, one last criticism, unless you have a rebuttal. Yeah. Uh, I do. I, I I disagree with the the point. I think that they actually did a good job weaving all of those stories together. Um, and actually, I just wanted to point out that when we first came out of the movie, that was one thing that Jesse said. Yeah. Is that just like when you felt that moment where you're like, well, where is Rocket? It cuts right to him, and it's like goes right back to him in the woods, and it just felt like it. Oh, the divided editing. Enough the editing was superb in this. Well, I mean, it just like throughout the movie, it felt like I wasn't missing out on what one character was doing in that moment because they put enough of them in. Right. Yeah, the editing was superb. I said my one last criticism was the uh, celestial cop out. You're gonna you're gonna tell me that there's a there's a guy that can manage an infinity stone, and that you know again you gotta think in 360 days you're gonna have to fight the big purple guy, and he's you know you're probably. 
you have Deus Ex Machina in Peter Quill. And then, and then you gotta strip him of the power at the end. Like, come on! And they show the visual, ooh, ooh, ooh. Like, yeah, like the power uh, down. Yeah, like, yeah, okay. yeah. You you gave him no ability to grow into that role and show him as like that. Like they gave him the Pac Man moment, which was which was cool. I liked that. But yeah. th- that was going. I I'm glad they did that because the first question at the end of this movie was somebody would have said is. Oh, so he's gonna use that power, right? Or if you fast forward to the Infinity War, people are like, well, why didn't he use that power? Right. That's, that, I rather them kill it now, so there's no question. He has no power. Oh yeah, no, no. no. I explain it. why. Why they, did he lose his power? They did. Dad died. They did. They did. He has to be connected to the light. He has to be on the planet. And the light is the power. So yeah. he can't draw yeah. power from no. anywhere else. No. Yeah. Right. He, he's not no, a celestial. He doesn't have like a. He's like an we don't know whether or not he would have been able powers. to learn to control the power far away. But the reason he was able to start using it in the first place is because he was literally on top of the light. Yeah. Yeah. As yeah. a descendant of the light itself. Yeah. That's but, why all okay. the skulls were in the pit because those were other children that he tried and then they failed. So Quill was the only one, but he no longer has that celestial. Like he doesn't have that light to go back to. Okay. Yeah. I just. I, it's funny. I. I don't know. I thought it was a it was a little bit of a cop out to build up this like insane power. Like, you know, in Infinity Gauntlet, the Celestials have this crazy scene, which we're probably not gonna get because like half Fox owns half of them. <laughs> um, where they like they go off to war against Thanos and like, you know, Quill could have had that level of power that you could have played them off each other. Because again, you don't have most of the Celestials that take place in that scene that Thanos just absolutely has his way with them, and then they cop it out and be like, yeah, I guess you don't have the power anymore, bye, see ya. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know, it's, they, they, needed I, to, they needed to do it, I think, but be, to make it have sense with the story, with like the whole connection to the light, it just, it felt like kind of goofy. I would have loved to have seen, you know, Peter Quill go on to maintain and develop this celestial power, this pseudo-celestial power of his, but I think the entire purpose of even showing that side of the movie was just, again, to prepare people for the more abstract concepts that are going to come with Infinity War when Thanos actually shows up. Um, you know, and it, and it would have been great, too, to see be able to see him continue on using that in that battle. But it also does allow for our, our heroes to be in even more dire straits when Thanos does show up. Because he's going to show up and he's going to kick everybody's ass. But it and makes them more It makes more sense to kick their ass if they're all just people. Um, I would I, I agree with you. I would have liked to have seen it go on, but I can. You know, Peter Quill was originally the son of or half Spartax. He's not even celestial at all in the original right. canon, um, which is why I think they made it that way in the movies. Was again just to get the idea of the celestials more into the minds of viewers. But I think that would have made it more dire. Like if Thanos comes in and kicks the crap out of like Hawkeye. Well, like, I feel like half this room <laughs> could kick the crap out of Hawkeye. You know, like, yeah, so... We're a tough-looking bunch. You can't really tell because it's a podcast, but we're pretty mean-looking. Um, but, like, you know, it's... Or, or like, kick the crap like, Hawkeye hasn't been asking to be knocked out of these movies for, like, the last two or three. Oh, I don't, like, wanna, I don't even want to get into this. Again? Yeah, sure. I don't want to get into this. But what I'm, saying, what I'm saying is it's a hell of a lot more impactful if Thanos kicks the hell out of a, a celestial rather than some dude with a bow and arrow. So I would like that to show 
his, to, to go all Broly to show that his power level is over 9,000 and his power <laughs> level is maximum. Over 9,000? Yeah, so I, like, I agree with that, I actually. mean, when he throws Hulk around, like, he's least, nothing. At the very least, he had to, like, maintain some of this power or still knew how to do something, and he was just a little more OP right, than everybody else in the group, then, then that would have been, that would have made it more dire when... You have to have, you have to break through the physical and enter, like, the metaphysical. And so, truthfully... The Hulk's nothing compared to Thanos. And, and everyone's going to know that. It's going to be funny because hopefully he's going to do a puny god little thing and toss him away. Oh. You know, like... <laughs> yeah. But but again, you're going to know that, like, yeah, Thanos is on a completely other level. Let's see that other level. And that's Doctor Strange. That's Wanda. That's a celestial Peter Quill. And, but at the same time, you know, the entire draw to Peter Quill's oh, character yeah. is that he is... An underdog in every single situation he shows up in in the movies. Right. Literally, like he's we're rooting for him because he's this measly human from Earth dealing with shit like the Sovereign Nation or yeah. Ronin wielding an Infinity Stone, and he's still pulling through. So I think that would take away from a bit of like of uh, his character's effect if he wasn't just some Earthling lost in space and suddenly a powerful Celestial, or even half Celestial, who could wield non-Earth powers. Yeah. Cool. I don't know. Josh, uh, going a little bit against everybody else here, I think so far. Oh, I you didn't like Baby Groot? No, I love Baby Groot. <laughs> um, <laughs> Too adorable to kill. Uh, I did not like Nebula's turn. I thought it was too sudden and it felt inorganic to the rest of what she had like shown before that in the first movie and even in the beginning of the movie she just out of nowhere stops and says oh i wish you were my sister gamora it was like come on she was wanting to kill her for years and then this is suddenly going to stop her like i felt like that was just it it did not strike the right chord for me then i think everybody else liked that story but i didn't um not that i don't think it was a good fairly good arc it just didn't feel like it happened with enough time and maybe that's going back to mike's point is uh that they didn't have enough time to stretch that out and maybe they just rushed that part of it but that's how i felt i heard there's like 20 minutes of cut footage and a lot of it's the gamora storyline yeah sister. and it, it just like it was too sudden for me yeah. it, uh, like it was kind of rushed yeah that moment. uh also the scene right after the opening scene where they stopped the opening credits, um, the like humor that they were trying to build in, it kind of stumbled for me. It almost made me worried at the beginning of the movie when Peter is talking to uh, Rocket and he's like trying to make jokes right out of the gate. I'm just like, ooh, they're kind of stumbling and they're not really making this feel as organic as it could be. And, like, I actually was legitimately worried at the beginning of the movie. I was like, fuck, is it going to be this awkward the whole time? And luckily it wasn't. I love the rest of the movie, but it, it stumbled out of the gate for me. Yeah. I mean, even, like, uh, kind of going off of the, the opening scene when he's talking to the woman in gold. Aisha. And uh, he was like, she, and he's like, Peter Quill is talking to her. He's like, oh, yeah, I'd love to show you, you know, some ways of... Basically, how we like lay yeah. down or dance. Let's have sex with time. Yeah, sex. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. But sorry. Oh yeah, no, that was funny. Um, 
I think those are really my two biggest criticisms. Um, I guess I'll go before the uh, last two. Uh, the only uh, two things that I probably had criticisms for... Uh, I mean, I kind of wanted to be a, a bit of a longer movie. Uh, just at least maybe 15, 20 minutes longer. And I was only on, I was only 136 minutes. Yeah, you can feel free to think what you want. Uh, I felt like it should it, it could have been at least 10 to 15 minutes more or maybe even like say 20 minutes more just to kind of delve into some of these criticisms that people are talking about for right now. Um, just to solidify a few different things. Like we said that things felt, a couple of things, not a lot, a couple of things felt rushed. Um, or I also, I always, I don't mind how long the movie is and this is one of the things I've talked about Kubo and the two strings, right? I don't, I, I would love for you to give me more instead of less. I want to hang out with these characters more. I want to get more of what's actually happening. Um, and then the other thing I just, I, I thought was really, really out of nowhere was the way that Peter kind of sort of like mastered these powers was because he listened to his heart and not his brain from what Yandu talked about. And, it just turned into a really weird um, uh, superpower battle, which is how do you learn how to do that? That's kind of weird. So you fly. Yeah, I thought that was like um, I'm not all right. I, they they did enough around the actual sequence itself to not focus on it too much, but it was very strange as well. I have never seen uh, ego do that at all in the entire movie. Then randomly they all do it as if that's something that you were born to do. So that was weird. Oh, so point, like, that, that, that hurts the impacts. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's like, oh shit, you can do this, and Peter's like, well, I guess I can too now. Yeah, yeah, I know. I was like, oh, okay, all right, whatever, cool, cool. So I mean, those would be like my only sort of criticisms. Like, I, I agree with some of the stuff that we all have been saying, but um, overall, I thoroughly enjoyed everything that was that was happening. Of it, I didn't have really too many things to say against it. Mocha. I don't have too much about the movie that I found severe criticism in, but the ones that I did find were pretty significant for me. Um, one, and you guys have touched on it already a bit, but the final battle between Peter and Ego being this, like, Man of Steel-esque, you know, final showdown where they're flying through the air and dashing into walls, and it was just, like, it took me out of the movie. I didn't enjoy it. Like, there was no... There's nothing really interesting about that. You've got these two characters, one's a celestial, one's a half-celestial. They're cosmic beings that can literally fold and shape matter according to whatever winds they have, and they wind up just flying through the air and punching each other until one is just too tired to keep punching the other. Um, that was a major cop-out. I was super disappointed by that. You know, They sort of went in the direction of playing with the celestial powers when... Um, when Ego turned into a large rock version of himself and Peter made the Pac-Man. Like, that was hilarious. But, you know, when the second Peter finds out that he has celestial powers, the first thing he says is, I'm going to make some weird shit. And they just didn't deliver on it. Yeah. That like, that battle could have been so much more. And it wasn't. And that was a big letdown for me. Um, the second thing that was a bit of a criticism for me, and I think Brian had mentioned this a bit, but, you know, we're less than a year at this point away from Avengers 3 Infinity War. And while that may not mean a lot to people who aren't familiar with the canon, it is a huge fucking deal. And every movie at this point needs to make some significant step towards that. And there was nothing that drew the Guardians of the Galaxy closer to Earth whatsoever. Um, you know, Gamora and Nebula talked about their relationship with Thanos. And the fact that it ended with Nebula leading to fight Thanos is pretty significant because... If, you know, we know that the next time we're going to see her, if they stick to the canon, she's going to be confronting Thanos and getting the shit kicked out of her really violently. Her like what happens to her in Infinity War is pretty like dark and gruesome, 
But other than that, there was nothing. And that's a shame because we don't have, we have what, four movies left until Infinity War starts, maybe three. Um, they got to like speed that up. One more thing that I thought was a, a criticism, um, and it's not a major thing, but I think it would have helped out a lot is, and it came up earlier, you know, this movie takes place like four months after the initial movie, right? Which means that this is the first Marvel movie we've seen that isn't um, consecutive in the timeline of the rest of the movies. So, like, some way of letting us know that might have been a little bit more helpful to putting things in perspective, since mm-hmm. Cosmic is so, like, separate from the rest of the Marvel Universe. Um, also, another thing that is just a little detail that you don't need, but it helps, like, put things into context so much. James Gunn, actually, on his Twitter, um, tweeted out the other day that Baby Groot has none of the memories of older Groot that we saw in the first Guardians of the Galaxy. So that means that the Groot that we know, that we grew to love in Guardians of the Galaxy 1, legitimately died. And this new baby Groot is experiencing the world for the first time through, like, while being protected by this new family of his. And I think that's pretty, that's like, that's a significant little detail. Hmm. It's not necessary to enjoy the movie, but I think it, it puts every single baby Groot into a different context. That's a lot to take in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's tough. <laughs> yeah, and it's, I'm, I'm not saying it was easy to throw in there, and... I don't necessarily think it was a bad thing that they did it, but I know that knowing that had an impact on you know how I reacted to his character. Hmm. Cool. I mean, I just wanted to add on to that final fight scene was very messy, and as for a celestial who has omnipotent powers and everything, he had a really tough time killing some mortals, and so I thought that was very uh, terribly done. But um, also, I think how he died was. A bit of a cop out too. A bomb from random batteries that were stolen at the beginning of the movie, just placed on his brain, and that's it. To kill a celestial, this is a celestial. It's got to take more than that, or and I don't feel like that was earned to um, have that final showdown. At least like have a way of neutralizing him where he's no longer a threat for that moment. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't have killed him off completely. I'd actually like to see. Ego come back in some capacity, which would have been really cool. Time stone. Um, time stone? Yeah, true. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, but I um, think, also, or go ahead. I, I think to counter that, I think they had kind of made the point that he was weakened because he's older and has like the white beard because he's been off planet for so long. He says, My connection to the light is weakened the further, the longer I'm away. So I think that was the reason they were able to take him down like that. And they also kind of alluded to the point that those batteries were extremely volatile. Like, if we're talking, like, a like hydrogen tank, you know, just explodes. So it wasn't like... I don't feel like it was completely a cop-out. I understand your point, but I feel like they might have alluded to a little bit more of he's not in his best state, and Mantis puts him to sleep for that couple of seconds and helps him get to that point. Yeah, they definitely yeah. knocked him down a peg. I think it's just for him to be completely obliterated at that moment. I would think it would take something a bit stronger to take out a Celestial. Yeah. I, I will say this. I completely agree with you, Brian. I think that everything handled about the end game for Ego was like mishandled, rather. Um, but there is something like super poetic to the fact that Ego killed Peter's mom by putting a tumor in her brain, and Peter killed Ego by putting a fucking nuclear bomb in his brain. Yeah. It's a big middle finger from them, yeah. I like the, the roundup sim- uh, symbolism. Yeah. 
The other big thing I would say, the Sovereign completely don't play, have no reason of being in this movie except to lead up to the reveal of Adam Warlock in the uh, post credit scene, which I kind of think would have played better as the final scene of the movie, as a to-be-continued type of thing. It's like, this is where our story's going, and then have those nice homage post credit scenes. Um, and overall, I feel this movie is like, it's... It's a great movie, but it feels bloated. It's one of those type of sequels where, yeah, let's take everything that was great about the first, make it bigger and better, and sometimes it's just a little bit too much, kind of going back to Mike's point, is that there's a lot that they bit off in this movie, and some scenes it just felt like, hey, these were too long, and they could have gotten the same effect out of them if they took like a minute off of the opening credit scene or a minute off of Yondu's fight scene. Uh, and it's just like, once I'm going through that, there was a point where I was like, yeah, I get the point of this. Let's move to the story. Mm. Okay. Any rebuttals? Nope. Nah, doesn't sound like it. No. Nope. Uh-huh. We're going to move into our conclusion. We're going to talk about our grades and kind of lasting thoughts. So what's happening? It feels like that criticism section was very long for how much I think we all enjoyed the yeah. movie. Well, it's easier to complain. I mean, yeah, it's, it's true. And yeah, it's, it's, always, always, it's, not, yeah, it's mine, always going to be, like, yeah. yeah. be something that like, somebody agrees, disagrees, yeah. somebody agrees, and then we got to go back and forth. But, uh, you know, let's start, let's start with Josh. and Let's talk about your conclusions, your grades, your lasting thoughts. Uh, for me, this is this movie's an A, a solid A to me. Uh, I enjoyed the crap out of it. It was just like one of those fun rides, but it also was just super enjoyable to see all these heroes you really love doing basically what they do best. And um, for I don't love it as much as the first. I love Guardians One. It might be. If not my favorite, then at least in the top three of my favorite MCU movies. And it this doesn't quite crack it for me. But I will say, the villain was better than Ronan because Ronan's a little bitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So we got solid A from Josh. Uh, Riley? Uh, I was going to give it a B plus. Um, kind of in the same boat. I didn't like it as much as the first, but it was still... Fun, enjoyable ride, great characters. I think there's just um, just too much, too long of a movie, and it needed to kind of refocus itself and help grow the universe as a whole. Cool. Jesse? Uh, I was going to give it an A-. minus. Um, the Marvel movies continue to get me to fill a seat. Um, it's so funny to compare Marvel to, like, DC, and, like, even now I'm like, well, do I want to get a Wonder Woman ticket? Whereas, with the Marvel movies, I'm like, well, yeah, of course I'm gonna get it. Like, it's gonna be good, because that's what they do. One thing I totally forgot to mention is, we saw it in IMAX 3D, and this is the first Marvel movie where I feel like they were really conscious of using 3D effects, and I actually do recommend seeing it in 3D. Yeah. Because there are parts where, like, Yondu's spear, like, comes right at you in the movie theater, or, like, when they're, like, exploding in the woods, the guys are, like, popping up at your face, and it makes you realize that this is one of the few times that I've ever seen them super aware of using the 3D effects, and it was actually done pretty well. So I would recommend an IMAX 3D if you can. Yeah, I saw it in Um, 2D, and it was... 
Yeah, there were scenes that were blatantly obvious. Oh yeah, that it, this was made for three D. Exactly. But it didn't really detract from. The it film. didn't, and and there were there the one point where the arrow comes at your face. I was like, whoa, and then I'm like, wait a minute, they're actually playing to the three D, and then I was all of a sudden really aware of it. And it's interesting. It's it's worth the extra bucks if you love the Marvel movies. It's with without question worth seeing. Cool. Yeah. Yep. So we have an A minus from Jesse. Uh, Mocha Mike, what you got? Yeah, so it's interesting. This movie, I originally, when I first saw it on Thursday, rated an A minus, but I was fortunate enough to be able to re-see it earlier today. And I think this is a movie that gets better upon multiple viewings. I'm going to go ahead and give it an A, like a solid A, much nice. like Josh. Um, I think that maybe by a small margin, but I think it was better than the first movie. And that alone in itself is rare when it comes to sequels. It's rare that a sequel surpasses you know, its predecessor. But on, on top of that, what I mentioned earlier, this movie actually makes its predecessor better and vice versa. Um, and so because of that, I couldn't leave it at an A-. Um, it's a solid A in my book. I agree with Jesse wholeheartedly. This is a movie that you absolutely should see. Wait a week, save your pennies, pay the extra five bucks and see it in IMAX because I saw it in both versions and I felt what I was missing when I watched it in standard definition. Um, this is a movie that's just too beautiful to see otherwise. So yeah, definitely see it in IMAX 3D, but a, a solid A on my part. Solid A. Thanks a lot, Boca. Kyle, what you got? I'm putting it at A minus and literally just because I want enough space, uh, like Josh already kind of said, between the first one, which just has such a special place in my heart. It was also, it's lightning in a bottle. The way the characters come together, the whole introduction, you get to know these characters. Um, this does feel like another episode, which, like I said, I put it as a criticism only just because that's a weird way to approach it. But at the same time, it felt really fun. I just think it expanded upon the first magic. And, yeah, they do make each other better, but I still leave it. Uh, it it's, it's not as good while it's still another part of the fun ride. So A- minus for me. Got you going. Mike, look. Yo, what up? Uh, yeah, I got it at an A-. Um, speaking of the lightning in the bottle, like, I, I think that when you compare something else to lightning, uh, no two strokes of lightning are the same. And so it's kind of really hard to, like, to catch the same lightning twice. Uh, so I think that that first Guardians was... Life thoughts with Mike. Uh, I thought that the first Guardians was just like this magical little thing. I honestly didn't even watch MCU movies. I think I saw the first Iron Man and didn't know uh, Guardians was related to the rest of them. And I still went it and saw it, thought it was like this great sci-fi space opera. Um, that I, It's funny because I heard a, a good review that was like, well, without Star Wars, you're probably looking at Guardians of the Galaxy as like the definitive space opera out there. Um... And so, and, you know, that, that really, like, took me back. I think that it did a great job in some cases of expanding on it. And my, my criticism of it being emotionally overloaded isn't, like, a terrible thing. It's not, like Josh said, it's good that I cared so much. Uh, but it, it didn't have quite the same feel as learning who these characters were for the first time. A-. minus. Cool. I think when we talk about the first and the second, who, I, what other movie is going to make Blue Swede a household name. <laughs> Hooked on a feeling? Yeah. In the first trailers, in the first movie? Yeah. Like, it just... The the soundtrack alone, it, even though it's great in the second movie, doesn't strike... Yeah. 
as well as the first movie. I mean, and, and I'm going to lead to that, and that was literally why I, ha- I was very close of giving it probably the best grade than everybody here. Um, just because, and I think we talked about this before a couple times, even though on the podcast I'm recording for Guardians, I didn't really like Guardians number one as much as everybody else did. Um, and I felt that they, the things that I didn't like about Guardians 1, they tried to do more. They had more action, more character development. They, they spent more time with really trying to draw an emotional level as well as visually, as well as their spirit. Like, you know, they, they really try to delve into it um, more. But the big staple of Guardians 1 was the music. And, like... The, the How many times have you listened to that soundtrack? Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and here's a bummer about that is like when you go to Spotify and you search for Guardians of the Galaxy, you get both that's now like combined together. And you can't get one or the other, which is very strange, I, I thought. Um, I love the second, I, I love the soundtrack of the second movie, oh for sure. Um, and even to the fact that I wonder what's going to happen now that Peter Quill has a Zoom. Like, oh my gosh. Like, everything's going to go crazy. You know? <laughs> even to the fact that we put a Zoom in there, I think Kyle was dying, dying laughing. The only one in the audience who was just dying laughing at that Yeah, part. I saw the thing in the world was them saying, oh, this is what everyone's listening to on Earth now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and me. Oh, so good. So, I mean, I, I was very close to getting this A+, but... You know, I think somebody said this before, you know, A-plus would be a perfect movie. I know this movie's not perfect because of a couple things, but I'm, I was very close to it. So if I can give it like an A-half-plus, that's my grade. Yeah. I don't care. Shake your head if you want. An A-half-plus? Yeah. What's that, like 96? <laughs> yeah, it's a 96. A-plus is a minus. Nah, no, no, A-minus is <laughs> lower than the A. Or it's just a straight line. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just a one so I would say this movie, I, I like it. I liked it more, and this is very rare that I like this more than the first movie. But oddly enough, I mean, Marvel has so far has done this twice now because I did not like Captain America at all. But man, Winter Soldier was dope, and so I like that movie much more. Than Captain Marvel movie still right. But you got Thor was, I mean Thor. Movie one was okay, but Dark World? Oh come on, no one likes that I don't, movie. No, no, I, it, it, it's pretty much it ranks as uh, as you might say in Spider Man was crap, crap, mega crap. <laughs> right? Yeah, ah, it's so the bottom sad. of the list, right? Here. The, oh, there you go, there you go. Uh, I and, you know, podcast on how much I hate the Thor movies, but that's for another time. I mean, we did that Marvel marathon. That was when we were like, "Yep, that's where we're gonna sleep." Uh, yeah. No, I didn't. I was, I was really, I held strong through that, and I was really upset. I was so upset with myself after that. I was like, I should have slept. I definitely should have slept. <laughs> that Coca Cola on my teeth made it so bad. You remember that? Oh, it's terrible. But uh, with that, thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, the Derek Sons. No, thank you, the Ryan Dowds. Thank you, the Robin Canes and the Brooke Boardmans. Uh, thank you, everybody. Yeah, thank you, everybody, for listening, kind of hanging out with us. Uh, I know it's late, but this was worth it. And uh, we are going to be closing up their, our edition of uh, the Down and Fun Podcast episode. I don't know. <laughs> 43, actually. I think so. um, but uh, thank you for all of our guests who's actually coming to hang out with us, drink some wine, drink some sweet sugar. drinks, sugar drink some sugar, sugar drink some beer, drink some sour beer, drink some gin and tonic, G&Ts, all the way to B. There you go. 
Uh, but uh, I would say kind of uh, t toss it over to uh, Mocha. Where can we find more of your work? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If you're interested in seeing some really dumb tweets, check me out at, at MochaMikeLI. Um, because once again, the guy who has at Mocha Mike is some 42-year-old asshole who probably doesn't even know how he got a Twitter account in the first place. And wait, he won't give it up. Mocha. The, <laughs> I, I retweeted, wait, Mocha. Mocha. I can't believe this is the first time I've heard about you having this beef with that guy. <laughs> <laughs> this dude just isn't checking his messages because I've been going at him. <laughs> I want that damn name. Got it. Check me out at Mocha Mike LI. It was great being here. Thank you guys so much for having me on. I'm glad to talk shop about comics and other nerdy shit any day, so I appreciate the opportunity. And we'll definitely have you on for either stuff that's not Marvel or maybe we'll just see you for the uh, Spider-Man, so who knows? <laughs> I'll definitely be here at least then. For sure, for sure. Uh, to his right, we also have uh, Kyle. Where can we find more of your work? What are you doing around these days? Well, that's interesting. To this right, yeah, I'm spatially located to the east. That's that's nice. Uh, no, I can also be followed on Twitter. Uh, I was able to get my name because I know there's another Kyle Kowalski in the world because I added him on Facebook when I first got Facebook. So now every social media I sign up for, I take that name so that he can't have it. Um, and so it's Kyle Kowalski. Um, for Twitter, Instagram, anything like that. Uh, musically, I play in a band called Actor Observer. You can find that at Actor Observer. Same idea, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, also actorobserver.bandcamp.com. Cool. Thanks so much. We're going to toss it over to Josh. What you got? Uh, I would just love to play video games with anybody who wants to. I'm pretty much Rad Scorpion on everything because I claimed that name first. <laughs> like 13 years ago, and I love it because nobody knew about Fallout then. So, Rad Scorpion, add me. For, for sure, for sure. Jesse? I have no internet presence. Okay. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's your next two username? My what username? Your <laughs> <laughs> next two username. <laughs> he knows. He doesn't want to share. Uh, <laughs> Brylan, what you got? <laughs> You'll find me on the internet, usually at Brylan, B-R-I-L-U-N-D, uh, posting random stuff, hating on the world, <laughs> but hating on Civil War. <laughs> I, I gotta stop doing that because now I kind of I'm starting to believe that <laughs> but it's not true at all uh, Mr. Shredder what you got? alright cool so first of all weirdly enough uh, echoing kind of Gamora and uh, Nebula you can find me at the uh, email address Jesse's Daddy Issues at gmail.com <laughs> 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 Jesse's daddy issues at gmail.com. There's an underscore somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh. Underscoring oh, something. Oh, there's plenty of underscores. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> but for for other things, uh, I'm in a band. Uh, I broke my guitar on stage. It was awesome. Um, I think you can find us at most social media at mynews underscore band. Uh, something. You might need to spell that one. It's M Y A. Underscore, and US, maybe underscore band. I think I'm missing. I'm putting an extra underscore in there. <laughs> yeah, it isn't. It's just M Y A N. I mostly wanted the joke, and you made a better joke at it. Not remembering how to spell your own band's name, social media. Well, 
I appreciate you coming on. Thank uh, you. I'll and, be here next time. Uh, you keep on inviting me. <laughs> I will not. I, I'm not sure how you found out about this one, but okay. Yeah. Uh, as in regard to all the other stuff that I do, you can find more of my work on, I post a lot about wines and just drinking in general. Um, that's at Friends with Blends uh, with me, uh, Derek, and Megan. So that's going to be awesome. Uh, and with uh, that, uh, we are the Down in Front Podcast, so we have a bunch of different platforms. So we're going to be working with, chatting a bunch of stuff. We do a couple of tweets. We're on Reddit. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Patreon, so definitely go find us out. Patreon.com slash Down in Front. You can go and kind of support us so that we actually still have a couple different goals. One is to uh, dye Kyle's hair black, so I'm really excited about that. Uh, the other one is to uh, get Jesse uh, with the first date. And there's one also that you can actually come and co-host one of our shows. And you get to choose which movie we actually review. So that's actually pretty interesting for that. Um, also, if you have questions about our next reviews or if you want us to review stuff, we actually this is how we got one of our last reviews of Be Our Guests, which is uh, Beauty and the Beast. You can email us at downinfrontpodcast at gmail.com. We have a Twitter, so feel free to find us at. That's at, this is an actual underscore, so at underscore DAFP. That's at underscore downinfrontpodcast, so feel free to find that out. Uh, we're on Reddit, so downinfront.reddit.com, feel free. Uh, if you don't have an iPhone or an iOS device or a computer, or a Macintosh computer, find us on Stitcher, so there's no way you can't enjoy our beautiful, beautiful voices. Uh, so we're definitely on Stitcher as well. Um, and the last one that we also are going to be posting on is going to be on Facebook, so feel free to find us on Facebook. That's uh, facebook.com slash pages. Um, you can definitely find us there. And uh, with that, I want to say thanks so much for coming out. Thank everybody so much for coming out, and we uh, sign off for the night. Bye. 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 Love y'all. Peace. Yeah. Yeah. Thanos is coming for all y'all. <laughs> <laughs>